that stunk. All the things that you've come to know with the Maple Leafs, like untimely non-saves from the new guy who looked like he was looking really solid in the first period. Um, a third line that kind of has moments of they look threatening, but then they don't really do anything on the stat sheet. Um, a, a power play that was listless at times and just seemed like they didn't really get with the program. Jake Muzzin looking slow. A fourth line that didn't really have an identity. I know it's one game, so whatever. I'm not trying to freak out here, but to me, the story of the game is just familiarity. That felt like every time I... That just felt like being a Leafs fan tonight. That's what that felt like. What the hell was that, man? Like, could we swear in this show? Like, I mean, that was... That was so... You know what that reminded me so much of? The Leafs versus Montreal in the playoffs, where you know one team is the superior team, and they're so desperate and pushing and driving that all of a sudden there's a rush chance the other way. The the chances, obviously, the Leafs had more chances, but the rush chances were in Montreal's favor. You know, they would break back the other way. I just, I don't even know where to start. I cannot believe the season is starting out with a game where they blew it to Montreal, then salvaged it to blow it again. I mean... I made fun of their cornball fans for their cornball... Oh. <laughs> It, they deserved it. It was awful. And all of them cried, and they're all crying, and the Leafs scored that goal. I'm like, good. Let them cry. And now they get the upper hand. My mentions are going to be a tire fire all night, full of Habs fans just gloating in my face about their torch working. Listen, the Habs are supposed to be one of the worst franchises in the NHL right now. Like, they're supposed to be one of the worst teams in hockey. And that, to me, just stinks. You played down to your competition again. This has been a staple of the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last couple of seasons. And Didn't even get a point. Yeah, I'm comforted by the fact that last year, it felt like a five-alarm fire out of the gate. Remember the Pittsburgh game? Yeah. What was it? Five-nothing, six-nothing, six-one, who knows? But the Leafs started slow, and then they righted the ship, and they were just a solid regular season team. So, yes, I recognize that's one game, but, man – just for basically all the bad habits and all the bad feelings. And for you to say that that reminded you of the Montreal series, which for many Leaf fans, they would argue is the most painful moment of their fandom. That's just not a great way. That's just, no. that's just not a great way to start a season that didn't have Dude. a lot of butt. At least now there's negative butt. Jake Muzzin was awful. He was slow. He looked really slow. He couldn't keep up. He turned pucks over. Like, you know, if he's muzzing, he still does muzzing things in the corners and winning battles and stuff. But he, him and Justin Hall, I mean, they broke that pair up last season for a reason. They were awful. Going back on puck retrievals, turning it over. I just, I can't believe, you know, having them out here, having them out there 3-3 three, three in the final minute shouldn't be a problem. It was a problem. Matt Murray was awful for two periods. I mean, I'm I, I'm sorry to come out of the gate so negative, but boy, that game warranted. I mean, awful. Matt Murray, they, you didn't even like the goal that didn't count, the, the Kirby Dock one. I, that, I don't know. Uh, you got boy. Lucky with that save. Here's here's my, like, maybe would you start with first impressions and we start with Matt Murray? Because right. like all I right. said, the familiarity, the Muzzin thing was all the way back all the way there. And if you were a Leaf fan or a commentator that thought, hey, maybe you ask him to waive the no trade clause last season because you try to swing some kind of a real shape-shifting move with your blue line, that first game was not very encouraging for you. 
No. Um, he wasn't healthy during camp for the entirety of it. I just don't know what you're supposed to tell yourself as a Leaf fan after watching that performance. Again, this is this is the thing that sucks about rolling back a team, essentially, and having everybody back. You and yeah. I talked about this today on my podcast, right? How there's a real upside to familiarity as a group. You know where everyone's supposed to be. Continuity, right? In sports, yeah. continuity is a great thing. But continuity is usually a great thing that's attributed to great franchises. And it dawned on me watching this game that that's not who these guys are. <laughs> and so familiarity to me can breed contempt. And that's that was familiar. Tonight is just every little mistake that these guys make. And a bad night like tonight that for a normal team that's as talented as these guys are, a fan base just throws away. It's, they're going to carry this differently. Like you and I are going to carry this differently because we've been watching this same Leafs team now for yeah. this is going on five years. Yeah. And every fan is feeling this. And I just, I can't help but think that the players are that capable of separating that past from a night like tonight. Yeah. And that those guys would feel a moment like tonight and that kind of creeping... It's game one. I hate this. This feels so overreactionary. No, it's great. It's great. It's great. But man, it just, that <laughs> was everything that you feared tonight. Yeah. I, I can't point to a positive other than Malgan banged in an empty net. Or <laughs> so Kyle Dubas yeah. is fired up about that. But outside yeah. of that, like, what is the positive? You know, I, I just feel like towards the end of last season, the Leafs, kind of gained this thing where you're like, they remember they felt like they were emotionally mature, that they had grown, that they didn't have as many of these moments where you're like, what? What it felt like last year when the Leafs were really clicking was that they trusted that the game would come their way if they stuck with the plan. They didn't force it or get ahead of the play. And that's what I saw tonight was not sticking with the plan, not saying if you just say make Montreal beat us, we're going to stay in our positions, be defensively sound, make Montreal beat us. Montreal's not beating you. If you just roll your four lines over the boards and stick to it, Montreal's not beating you. But I saw a team getting ahead of the play. We joked at one point during the game, first power play of the game. They're out there for two minutes, the first unit. Like we're not grinding for one here, boys. You know, I just felt like even the Mulligan breakaway he got, he's way ahead of the play and he gets a lucky bounce. It goes through. That was just typified to me of the guys being ahead of where they needed to be, too eager to go score, too eager to, you know, expose this weak Canadians defense and not showing that emotional maturity of just the game will come to you. You're the better team. Didn't see it tonight. Their coach probably agrees with you. Um, we've talked in the past about Sheldon Keith having to save his bullets because he's an emotional guy. And I got I can't wait to hear his post game tonight because he benched Michael Bunting. He benched Bunt who scored. <laughs> he benched a guy who scored, who's in a contract here in game one, game one. <laughs> he benched him in game one, a guy on the top line playing with Mitch Barter and Austin yeah. Matthews. He benched him in game one. It's pretty clear what the parameters of the season are. And High boy, expectations. Oh boy, oh boy. I just, I, I really did feel a little bit of apathy coming into the season among the fan base. I mentioned this over and over again that there really did feel like a lack of buzz to this Leaf season that was very unfamiliar to me in my lifetime. Even when the Leafs have been bad, there's just buzz for weeks and weeks on end ahead of a season during an entire off season for every single signing. This year just was not that. Like, did you see the video of the Leafs' new players that the Twitter account put out where they're pronouncing their names? It's a yeah. very video because they say their name it. 
Yeah. And then they go, it's pronounced. And you go, yeah, that's what the you just said. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just like, did that. Why would you say it different now? Yeah. Different? Yeah. Okay. My name's Justin Bourne pronounces just Dan Bourne. Yeah. I just, I, I hadn't had any conversations with friends or family members who love the Leafs about Cali Yarncrock. Like I didn't, like I just didn't have any Yarncrock no. conversations this off season. Oh, cause um, look, it seemed like they signed solid guys. They were good. They got solid guys. And I'm, we're not here to say that they're not going to be solid. They're not good, whatever, but boy. So should we, can we look at the goal? So this is one thing we have cool for you folks who are tuning into this live stream. We can actually look at goals. Can we not? Yeah, I think so. This is going to suck for the podcast people, but screw you right now. Yeah. Well, whatever. We're going to talk you through it. The podcast people have done nothing for us yet. Okay. Like all (laughs) we have is whoever's on this live stream with numbers we can't see. Could be just like our parents. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I have no idea who's actually watching this right now, but either way, yeah. I want to, what I really want to see is the play that got bunting benched, which so we're going to go first one here. This is, but this is the Leafs' first goal that they score. So this is going to be bunting, gets to the front of the net, Marner's going to give him one, and he's going to feed it in. Mitch Marner, special player. Like, all Bunting has to do is get half a step separation on, is this Josh Anderson that's covering him there? Bunty finds it, shoots it in. That's great. This is what I thought the whole night was going to be, by the way. I thought the first, like, what was this, like, 10 minutes, it was a little slow. And the Leafs didn't have just, like, a ton of pressure. Montreal wasn't doing too much. Matt Murray was making a couple of saves on the power play. But I really thought that when this goal went in, that the game was going to just shift into a Toronto Maple Leafs beatdown. That Montreal, man, Montreal rolled out their roster because they do the 45-minute pregame ceremony that sneaks up on you every year, right? You always forget that these guys are the most self-important franchise ever. They, it just, they, they do this. Where they go, everyone is going to watch us celebrate the Montreal Canadiens for the next two hours. And yeah. then we're going to do the lame torch thing. And here you go. Here's yeah. a bunch of guys that are mostly going to be, like, not in the NHL a year from now. Yeah. Please watch them get introduced. I thought it was going to be be a beatdown from that point forward. But what I really want to see is, can we jump ahead goals, David? Can we go to see the goals against the Leafs? Like, which one do you want to see first, Born? You want to see the first or the second? You know, either one, I think, kind of typifies what I was talking about, about thinking offense, being on the wrong side of it, leading to rush chances against... You know, it just, I think we're going to get to do this. This is great. Yeah, so the blind throw in front for Marner there, right? Yeah, this is the first one against. Right. And you know what? This comes after, at the end of the first period, there's a rush. Same two guys, right? Marner, or sorry, um, Suzuki to Caulfield, where they don't score. And you and I were both like, man, Murray was not great post-to-post on that. Like, the time laterally, not particularly quick. Not that, I mean, it's one game. I'm not saying Murray's not going to be great or whatever. But I don't think he moves particularly well laterally. Steve Valaket said the same thing on our show. I would like to make a first impression on... This thing is a terrible play by Martin. It's just a hope play. This is just... Okay. Uh, these guys still think that they're playing the preseason split squad game. The way that that, that pass goes across. That's, that's just an ugly play. You would have thought that there would be a little bit more counter. Nice finish, by the way, by Caulfield on that one. Yeah, ball in the pocket. Unreal. Um, oh, is this the next one there? Turnovers inside the zone again? Yeah. 
can't quite to snap see it. My little split screen action here, but yeah. So Matt Murray, that to me is a huge concern going into the year. Is like you don't trust that a guy who has a clean unscreen shot that he can catch it. That was what in previous seasons watching Matt Murray, my concern was always he doesn't catch it. Yeah. And well, he's got he's the, you you played goal like his glove position seems strange to me. Okay, so let's watch this again because this is the play that gets bunting bench. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. yeah. This is the this is the Malgan highlight. Right. Sorry, we're ahead of it. I thought that we were going to be looking at the other one again. Yeah. So was it there? Was it just inside the blue line? Bunting makes a diving I play. He's dogging it back. I think that it's just the back check. He's just not skating very hard to get back. Yeah. And maybe he's gassed at the end of the shift, but I, I wonder if that's what it's for. Again, we'll need to hear what Sheldon Keith has to say about it, but it's a pretty bold-ass statement to be making. That like, there's Marner. He's obviously tired. He's a little bit. See, Bunting. Yeah. Controller comes... disconnect on the way back. Yeah. He's just, he's coasting. So I wonder if Sheldon Keefe saw that, saw the game get tied 2-2, said, hey, this is two times now off the rush that we've gotten beat. It's the same line that's been on the ice for both goals. You guys are supposed to absolutely hem in this young Canadians team. Look at Sheldon right there. He's so pissed. He's so pissed. Great. You know what, though? Yeah, freeze frame that Sheldon Keefe shot on that live stream. His face, knowing, like, he's got to be careful about what he says. Yeah, there's no Early though, so this party I can't even see it in my screen. Anyway, that I do like the idea that he's, you know, it's early in the season. It's a top line guy, and that's not going to be okay for us this year. We're not okay with that. Even if you score, you're on the top line. We are going to punish guys who aren't doing the things we want you to do. I mean, it didn't help him in the rest of the game. Bunting had a couple chances when he did get back in that spot, and I thought he was fine, but. I guess that's the point Keith is making is that we're going to hold everyone to a high standard this year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be calm because that's very, I'm very pissed off about that. Also, I'm get, I, you know, I have a Dodgers under bet that's already done, you know, the game ends and I'm like, what's happening with the Dodgers at least it's three, three in the third <laughs> inning. Great. Um, what I was trying to say earlier though, about those guys trying to compartmentalize the losses and being a little bit more mature, right? Hey, these guys are a little bit more mature. They'll be able to deal with the ebbs and flows of the season. I do think that there's a little bit of the fan base and the media and the city, everything that is tied a little bit into this, where that pressure that's on that group is going to yeah. be a fascinating component of this season. It's something that you and I didn't really talk about today, right? Because when we're discussing the whole thing about, hey, familiarity and how these guys might be able to mature more, there's also this element of, hey, we've all been together for a while and it it's not working again. And if it doesn't work on a given night, that added pressure where Keith is saying, uh, this is my big break in the NHL, my job's on the line. Kyle yeah. Dubas is watching this knowing that his job is on the line. That there's a couple of Leafs players that know that they could easily be thrown in trades. That there's guys that are here that, like Alex Kerfoot, who are free agents at the end of the year, knowing that they likely won't be back. That there are goaltenders on this team. Samsonov, who we haven't seen yet, is on a prove-it deal. Matt Murray you're you're already Team Samsonov. <laughs> what? You're already Team Samsonov, huh? Well, I'll tell you this. Like, let's just get. I just I worry a little bit about the pressure on this group at times, and they've had a lot of pressure on them for their entire careers, like the core specifically. But how have they responded to that pressure? Well, they've lost every single elimination game that they've had the opportunity of winning with this core. So at least history would suggest. Maybe they struggle with it at times. Okay, let's do first impressions of the new guys. And, okay. I, and I will start with Matt Murray because you're right. I was pretty frustrated in the, in the group text. 
he looked amazing in the preseason. And then you're reminded that great first period from the outside from a Montreal split squad, uh, and it, that it's a glorified scrimmage. He looked slow post to post. He just looked clunky, and he got beat glove. Like Montreal was clearly going glove high on him. The book was out, and the book worked. And so, yeah, the first period was nice, and we can continue to couch it with, of course, you're not going to judge a guy based on the first start. And I remember Freddie Anderson's first start with the Maple Leafs was a nightmare, and everybody wanted him out of town. Like, this happens with goalies in this market. I talked to Ed Belfort today. He he was recalling that his start to his Toronto Maple Leafs tenure was a nightmare, and that it takes about a month before you really get your feet underneath you. There were just some troubling signs for a guy that – didn't look very athletic in the net, looked very big, positionally sound for a lot of the night. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm the world's foremost expert, but yeah, he looked slow post to post. He looked down athletic at times and he got beat the same way on multiple goals. It's it's not a good first impression. You you can't really say that. You, you can't yeah. say, you know, I was no. impressed. No, you know, there was um there was the moment there where I, I was thinking about last season with the Leafs and how they had success despite Jack Campbell's struggles. And, you know, Murray gives up that second one to make it 2-2, the one that we played a bunch there. And that was the one that made me go, that's a deflating one when you're on the bench. You're just like, come on, like, you know, who catches that? Vasilevsky catches it and Shesterkin and Demko and Markstrom. And we don't have one of those guys. And it's deflating. But, you know, then, you know, uh, Tavares to Nylander, they get the goal. It's 3-3. I'm sitting there like you're sitting there going, okay, they're going to get a point in Montreal. They probably get two because they have better players when you go to the skills contests, you know, and, and it's going to be a thing where they win despite Murray. And you, you're not going to blame them for the last one, but he, you're allowed to save it. You're allowed to get saved. So, yeah, not not a great debut. What are you, four goals? And I don't know what Montreal had, 24, five, six shots. You know, I got I get some uh, sport logic stats, which I'll make sure you're getting this season. Um, after the game, slot shots on net. Uh, at even strength, Leafs 16, Montreal 7. Scoring chances off the cycle, Leafs 3 or 8 to Montreal's 3. Scoring chances off the rush were actually 9-7 Toronto. So uh, they actually did have an edge there. But still, the bulk of Montreal's chances came off the, the rush. Anyway. That's the thing. The Leafs should have the bulk of the scoring chances. It's a Montreal yeah. Canadiens team that's plus 700 to finish with the worst record in the NHL this year. Yeah, That's like the Leafs' odds of winning the Cup. Vegas views these two teams as likely to one finish at the very top and one finish at the very bottom. Right. So for you to come out and play that way on the road to start a year, it's depressing. And so, yeah, just to stick with the Murray thing, it's a first impressions. That's the name of this like little mini segment. And yep. so, yeah, that's all we have to work off of is these first impressions. I would be given a it's, – it's not a good one for Matt Murray. He had a real opportunity. There was some buzz around him. You know, Kipper just wrote that article that they should have just given him the net from the, the get-go. Like, everyone was talking about how he's a Stanley Cup champion. He's made the tweaks. He looked stiff. He looked yeah. slow. He let in a ton of goals against the rivals. It's not a comfortable way to start. Um, you want to go to your next first impression? Sure. Do you want to go through the guys or you just want me to give you a... Yeah, I'll go, I'll go through the next guy. What do you think of Kelly Yarncrock? Was it, did he play? Yeah. I mean, he looked like, he looked like a Kerfoot to me. He had that one real nice chance in front, but again... This is the same thing for me with the third line, is that fami the familiarity. That was the top story of the game to me. Third line had moments where I went, oh, these guys have some speed, you know? Like, they're fast. I thought Engvall was good. I heard, I saw people uh, pooping on him on Twitter. I thought he was fine. Made some nice plays. Speed, they, big. They were fine. They had some nice zone entries. They made a couple of plays. What did they not do? Curfee cool. didn't score on a penalty shot. 
Yeah. Did you ever think he was gonna? No. <laughs> I gotta say that if if it almost felt like it was uh, the reverse order, you know, they went, uh, we're gonna start these penalty shots with the last guy, and we're gonna work our way <laughs> to the best guy. Who's coming over the boards? Might have been between Obel and uh, yeah, Camps would probably go first in that order. I, I've Yarncroft's the new guy that I'm most familiar with. I've always sort of liked him. Um, I think that no joke. He did. I, I only noticed him being ahead of the play on the one that uh, Monahan puts in to make it three two. Yeah. So I would say that first impression was he just again seemed like a very familiar player. Um, Malgan. No, I know. I I no. Like yeah, I know he scored. And Craig Simpson was great. Craig Simpson was like it, he put. You know he's he's no. able to. He's able to put in the puck from, you know, he put it in. But, you know, he got buried in the first period. Uh, you know, I thought he made a couple of forced plays on the power play where he turned the puck over. Yeah. He's a nice, he's a talented player. He's a talented player. You know, I don't know. I he, he There's nothing different about him. I've never once watched him play and been like, I didn't know he could do that. Like, I know he's skilled. I saw the play he made against Detroit, and I was like, hey, hey talented guy. Very talented guy. Yeah, he's obviously talented because he's five foot what seven and in the NHL, he's absurdly yeah. talented. So of course he's talented. Of course he's going to know the right places to be on the ice. I mean, he better because he got to this level based on that. But yeah, there's just he's tiny. <laughs> like he's he's a tiny little guy. He's got to have all. He's got to have, I think, even a higher notch of skill. There's just a couple of moments where. You can see how easily he can get eliminated from plays by even just like the threat of physicality or a little bit of physicality. Anyways, that's like, you know, he's in the right place at the right time. Good for him. He gets the goal. But yeah, I can't really say that I was overly impressed by him or it blew away. I was, I, I still wish that they would have seen Nick Robertson, who we'll close on today because we didn't have a chance to talk about him. I, I do want to say that I think Mulligan is an NHLer. I just don't know that he's an NHLer on a team with cup aspirations. Uh, on a team that is asking him to play on the second line right now. Right. John Tavares and William Nylander. Like, it was not... I wonder if... Uh, yeah. That's not where he belongs. Yeah. No. It'd be nice to... Guess what? He probably will have or should have a similar path of... I'm blanking on the guy's name that got picked up by the Sharks last year off a of waiver. Barabanov. Yeah, Barabanov. 100%. Hey, that's that's who I see, too. Go to a bad team. Light be a get some good stats, player. 40 points. Yeah. This should probably not be the place. Um, Kubel. Yeah. Okay. Can I give you another just overall one, or do you want to try to go through players first? Let's do players first. Let's do players first, and then give me the overall one. Kubel, um, I, every time I watched him, I just feel a little frustrated. Um, you know, I, I not that I he's not good, and I think he's a great fourth-line player for the Leafs to have, but I I don't know. Like, hey, he, he, he doesn't always make the right decision with the puck. He could be – he looks like a – Good fourth line type guy to me. I don't know. I, for as first impressions go, I, I wouldn't say I was like I'm gonna love watching this guy. But yeah, uh, you? Well, I I actually can just lump he and Zach Aston Reese in the same. Uh, like we don't need to waste more time. That's hyphenism. <laughs> this is I'm I'm hyphening the guy with the hyphen the hyphen squads. The, they're getting hyphened together, all right? Zach Aston, Reese, Kubel, all right? <laughs> Aston, Reese, Kubel, yeah. They clearly had the mandate of throw the body around, and they yeah. did that. They threw a bunch of hits, and there was nothing else. End of list. And I think that's what you're going to expect from them. 
and hopefully that has an impact for the Leafs at some point this season. Um, I, I, I hope it doesn't hurt David Kampf because one of the cool things about last year was that Kampf got some opportunities to play with some skilled guys, and he actually came up with some big moments. Mm-hmm. He was always a defensive zone guy that everything that he gave you on the offensive end was a plus, but it felt like there was always a little bit of a push from his line that was possible, and tonight that didn't feel that way to me. And so you know, it's just it's something to monitor. I was very couple, a couple good shifts. They they had a, a couple of D zone shifts. One time they drew a penalty. They did some good things. I, I like the fourth line. No, they they did good things. I yeah. just my I guess my point is more that I'm very high on camp and and I. I, I hope that those guys are good enough to play with them, and I'm less sure about how long these line combinations are going to last than I felt at the very beginning of, uh, or at the end of training camp, where when I looked at them on paper, I said, yep, this is the right combination. They've got it down. Fascinating right out of the gates that they play again tomorrow, back at home against a Washington team that just got their pants pulled down by Boston. Yep. Samsonov's going to net. I mean, it's immediately fascinating for me. You know, you and I always do this. We always talk around the fringes because we just assume the core is the core and they're not going anywhere and we don't talk about them a lot. Do you have any impressions of Matthews, Marner, Nealander, Tavares? Um, I, I'm going to get killed for this, but it just because because he made the game time goal to have it at the end, like, but yeah, I, I wondered if he was going to have a, he being Nylander, was going to take some of the stuff that we saw while he was playing from Sweden last summer and apply it to this year. And there was a little bit of talk around camp that he was playing a little bit more physical, that he and Marner had both put on a little weight, right? And Marner, it's whatever, right? To me, him putting on weight is... It's like Patrick Kane. No one touches Marner. He doesn't hit anyone. He's amazing without contact. He doesn't need to be strong. Bingo. So for me, that's more of a a psychological thing for him where I'm going, good. Well, maybe the practical side is that when he does get touched, that the dings don't hurt him as much or whatever. I don't know what it is. But it's not like I need Mitch Marner to bulk up in the offseason. Apparently, he added 10 pounds. Word was that Nylander added a few as well and that he was feeling strong and we saw what he did with Sweden. And... Yeah, I, I'm very optimistic about him trying to apply some of that to the NHL because it's just, he's so incredibly strong. And if he ever just wanted to play with that level of intensity, it would work. It would really work as with him being a bit more of a physical guy. And there was just, yeah, I don't know if it's confirmation bias. I don't know what it was, but there was just a few times where it's just plays that you go, what was that? And yeah. he's the, what was that play guy? Yeah, I, I thought... You know, Willie tries to make a lot of cute little plays that other people can't make. And so you are okay with mistakes because he'll make some that other people can't. But he didn't work for him tonight. Timing was off. I know he scored. Got it. Saw that. Great. Great play. Elite player. But I thought he was not William Nylander tonight. You know, so you know what I love about what we're doing right now? Lou Lamorello, when I was with the the Leafs organization, I was with the Marlies. Um, but the Leafs staff would come in after the game and they weren't allowed to talk to each other, Babcock and crew, and they had to rate every player one to five. I've told you this before. Immediate first impressions. What did you think of that player? They rate one to five and they justify why they thought that about a guy. And then the next day you go through the video and you go, ah, you know, I watched it back. He actually wasn't that bad or he was really good, but they wanted just, Lou wanted their initial thoughts right after the game was, well, it was fresh. 
like Nylander for me, that game, that's a two. You know, my first, you know, the, you know, I, I just, he's got more to give. Matthews wasn't particularly, Marner was good. Tavares fine. Tavares was fine. They didn't steal the game for them. They're supposed to be the difference making guys. They were not a great debut. I, what do you think of the power play? Uh, not overly passionate take on that. You got a thought? Not really. I just thought that it's pretty, like, they tried to take away Matthews, and it worked at times, I guess, but... Well, Matthews ripped the one off the inside of the post. That was, that was a difference maker for the game. No, he's still going to be able to get free. I just... They were 0 for 4. I didn't really feel like it was threatening. Yeah, late in the game, in, this, in the third there, there was some really sloppy play, for sure. I'm curious to see, is there anyone you liked tonight? And I don't mean that we're, we're not being like randomly negative. We're going to be positive when they're good. They're bad. Um, was there anyone I liked tonight? Frankly, not really. <laughs> like, I, like, it's, they, that was a really bad team loss, right? Yeah. This is one where they can all go around the room and go, there's no guy that you can hang your head around and say sorry to. Like the goalie was bad. The blue line was bad. I thought Rasmus Sandin had a particularly bad night. Yes. Um, So that's what I wanted to get to for first impressions. The D was worrisome because Giordano took one penalty, maybe could have had two or three. He kind of got beat a few times. Muzzin looked slow. Sandin was bad. Hall wasn't great on retrievals. Brody and Riley were fine. Liked them. Liked them. But I I was going to tell you, like, when I said – when you asked me who did you like tonight, it's I was like, well, the invisible man, TJ Brody, was invisible for most of it, which means Fine. good, you know? Yep. And Morgan Riley made a brilliant pass in that game, and so he deserves some, yeah, love for that. I guess if we're going to highlight anybody, it's those two guys. Good for them. Um, it was a bit of a reminder to me with watching Muzzin and Gio that it's going to be, like, it, it's going to be tough to get those guys to the finish line looking good. Like, that... There's a reason why this team also has Jordy Ben. There's a reason why they also have Victor Mete. There's a reason why they have Timothy Lilligren and that they didn't make a trade on the blue line. They didn't reshuffle anybody. They're they're going to need depth this year. There's just I there's mean, just immediately no I'm sitting here thinking, who's going in tomorrow? Because you can't go back. You know, surely they'll mix something up for tomorrow. I actually think they're going to react to the outcome tonight. Like I think Sheldon is not going to say, "Well, let's just take another crack at this tomorrow." I think. You'll see different lines. I don't know about bodies if they can with a cap. Maybe different lines. And yeah, Sam Sonov's going to be a net. I don't know what you do with the blue line, though, because Jordy Ben's hurt. Like Dahlstrom's hurt. Lilligren's hurt. Victor Mete come in here and Lilligren's hurt. So you're just, you're stuck with this group. And and I don't think that you That's need good. those pairings, right? I don't know about that, but I, I think it is good that they get another game that decor in particular i could see them mixing up the pairings though i'm telling you muzzin and hall i don't know what it is they remember how good they were they were like the shutdown pair for this team two years ago yeah you know what happened is one guy got old and he was the guy that made everyone around him better man muzzin's so good it just you put anyone around him during his prime and they were going to look a lot better. And this yeah. is the thing about having that steady. Listen, Lee fans should know this better than anybody. Cause like, I'm not trying to trash the guy, but uh, a certain, let's just say a certain defenseman got a big contract here because he played next to Markov and then yeah. came here and didn't play with Andre Markov, the Montreal Canadiens. And all of a sudden didn't look so great. So all of a yeah. sudden the nicknames for him weren't so cute. Just that's the way the partners help. Partners help. Yeah, so partners help. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, no other first impressions. Nobody else that we're missing, right? Unless you think Sheldon did anything that he could have been different. You know, it's too early. I no. Well, I don't. I don't know what Sheldon was supposed to do. Like no. I, I will say, if you had to design the most painful way to lose the first game of the season, you have the team lead for a bit, then you have Montreal steal it late, and then they actually salvage the game and come back before they lose it again late again. Especially again. since uh, all I was thinking, too, was that's what these guys always need, you know? They always need that, oh, it's the darkest before the dawn thing, you know? Yeah. Like they're in the gutter. Everyone's written them off. Oh, they do a thing. Everyone's back in. Is it offside? They get, oh, it's onside. All right. They're at least going to get a point out of here. By the way, that's so, that's to me, I'm not even being a homer here. That's just the most, that's the onside. That's so against the spirit of the rule that that would ever even be considered that they took a timeout. And I feared that they were going to do it, but no. I also a- hate. Like, wasn't the idea with the coach's challenge, like, we're going to go line up and drop the puck. Tell us before we get there or it's too late. Now the, they're cooking, my friend. That was home cooking. Dragging and the it's feet. Fine. It's fine to get a little home cooking, but that's what that was. You cannot tell me that Sheldon Keefe would have gotten the same amount of time in Montreal for to make that same call. Like, oh, there's I just think no you're way. right. Uh, nope. Let me look through my notes, make sure there's... I'm just doing the same thing. I don't 88 know. down arrow, 38 down arrow... I mean, I, I have a lot of stuff on the uh, opening ceremony, but now I don't really feel like clowning on Habs fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have like, five jokes I wrote down, um, but I'm going to leave those. Like, those are just going to be on the cutting room floor. I will say. Bunting that- got a penalty for being bunting. He wouldn't, that wouldn't happen last year. That was a reputation call, I thought. That was, that was, a, I, I thought the same thing. That was absolutely a reputation call. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess. We'll do two last things. I want to ask you about Nick Robertson and the step that you've seen him take. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Malgin scored again tonight. He drew the penalty. So he's obviously staying in the lineup. Like, it's not a situation where, you know, yeah. you're throwing him on waivers. He's going to end up having a little bit of wiggle room here. There's cap implications. It's not easy. But the only downside to having Tavares in that game and Engball was that I was excited to see Nick Robertson. I thought that he earned a spot in camp. For sure, um, I agree. What did you see different from him in the off or in this offseason and in camp that has led you to believe that he has taken a step? Because I would say that both you and I last year when he got his like, it wasn't a showcase. It wasn't a showcase. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. not how it works. <laughs> his non-showcase was not exactly yeah. showcasey. I'll tell you exactly what's different this year for me is that last year, one of the things I said many times is I didn't think he could create his own shot. I thought if you found him, he had that great shot and he could shoot it in the net, but I didn't think he could create one himself. And in the preseason, I saw him take pucks out of corners, you know, like create separation from people and just be able to put himself in a position without line mates doing it for him. And that's the difference to me. It's like, I'm not saying he's, is Cole Caulfield, but his, he's that type of guy where when he's dynamic at that size, he creates a couple looks, he's going to shoot some in. I think he's going to be able to do that some for them this year. Uh, you know, I, I want to see him too. I'm, I, I would have liked to see him tonight. Yeah. I, I, I think that he's going to have an impact for this team at some point this year. Um, and that he, he is going to show that little bit of progress. Are we allowed to swear on this show, by the way? We're going to have to find that out because I sure would have liked to right out of the gates about that one. Yeah. Graham, I'm going to guess no. Graham or David, <laughs> turn on your mic for one second. Say that we can do it. <laughs> Hello? No. Wow. 
because I, I just there's a I need to ask you one last question before we go, but it doesn't the the actual term is a swear. I'm just gonna say it. Uh is there's is there a strength and conditioning coach on the planet? They're doing the introductions and they flash around to the strength and conditioning coaches. Is there a single strength and conditioning coach on the planet over five foot eight? Or are they all just the same brick shit house? Like of a man who is just five foot seven or eight and just absolutely crushes the workroom. Yeah. I don't you know you know, Matt Nickel, Matt Nickel's a tall guy, you know that, but there, no, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of guys who are just like, just cubes. cubes. <laughs> yeah, just a cube. I was dying. I'm like, it's all about the cubes, man. You see those cubes walking around and you're like, strength and conditioning coach. They're like, yeah, what, what did you think? Like, yeah. how did you know? I'm like, cause you're yeah. a cube. Cause you're just cubing around. <laughs> you're you're a cube. <laughs> What's yeah. that game for kids? I, I don't know. I'm too old now. Minecraft. I'm like, Roblox? Yes. No, I was like, that's not the one. Someone's furious. Minecraft. Right Anyways, yeah. um, this is Leafs Talk. Give me on after. Everything. By the way, this you had a better name for the show, and we, we should probably use it. Yeah, I want to call it Best Buds. Leafs Talk with JD or Bunk Born and Sam, because Sammy will be on tomorrow night. I actually, yeah. I I wish Sam would have just dialed in and been on with us. Tonight, tonight. should have been Sam because you guys were at it in the group chat. Yeah, well, he was. Here's the thing about Sam. He stakes himself to these claims early on with no evidence. Like this happens all the time with him. And he takes hard line positions. And then when they start to go against them, it's the same formula over and over. I'll tell him this tomorrow. I'm not afraid of the guy. He, he'll he take a position and he'll say, I like this player. And you'll go, why? And he goes, I just do. And it's based on nothing. That's great. I respect it's based that. On nothing. And then you have to whittle him down and you have to be like, you still like this player? You still like this player? And then eventually he'll just sell all of his stock. In well, this is this is kind of me on Mulligan. It's like he's played really well and he scored again. And well, didn't play really well tonight. But, you know, I, I definitely feel like there's people going, why don't you like him? It's like, I just don't, okay? Oh, I don't care. Listen, if you're crying because we weren't positive about the Maple Leafs tonight, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, this <laughs> is not going to be your show. <laughs> tonight was a stink fest. They played down to their competition, and they lost to their rival. 32nd place team from last year. And and you know what, too? It's like the playing down to the competition thing should – sure, that can happen on – We played a Keith quote about it today because it's a trend. Yeah. And, and it can happen on game 56, the regular season. You know, if they're here – and they're playing a middling, like, Nashville Predators team, and they don't give their best effort on the road after a, the third game of a road trip, three games in four nights. I'm not going to care. This is the season opener in the hockey mecca, in the most important building in hockey. And to the team that gave you guys that core, the biggest embarrassment of your careers, and you show up and you're like, meh. <laughs> we'll we'll, see we'll make happens. playoffs. Yeah. Care. Just give a little bit of. Oh, shit, please. God. Yeah. Anyway. We did uh, get a green light, uh, just no F-bombs, so. What? <laughs> just no F-bombs. We got the, I got the swearing update. Nice. Yeah. So let's say all the swears that we, and test them out and see which ones they do. No, that'll be next time with Sammy and I. Anyway, uh, yeah, just give a shit. That's, that's all I want to see. Just give a shit. All right? It's opening night. Just do it, please, for the love of God. Anyway, this is Leafs Talk. Subscribe to it. Review it. Um, if you get it, you can get it on Apple, you can get it on iTunes. We'll tweet out the link when this thing is done. Um, so I don't even know why I'm saying that because if you're watching it to this point, you're like, yeah, I watched. Yeah, I'm pot committed, I, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, I did it already. I'm here. Anyway, we're going to stream on YouTube.
Thanks to uh, Graham Campbell and David Sis. They were very patient with us today trying to figure out all the stuff. I, I imagine they didn't think this was going to be a 45-minute show either, that they probably have loved ones they want to get home to. We're already home. They're at the studio. So thanks. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, uh, we appreciate it. And yeah, Sammy and I will see you tomorrow night. Peace out. Thanks, everyone.